Well, tonight is April 6th, 2016. The title of our message is Past, Present, Future. Past, Present, Future. Uh, We're going to do this differently. We're going to, as your pastors, we're going to actually preach a sermon together for you. Amen. We're kind of excited about this. We're actually not sure at all how this is going to work out, but amen. We're going to go forward. Amen. Let me write these up on the board. How many of you have heard it said that repentance precedes power? Amen. So we have a guest with us tonight named Ivan. Ivan, I need to repent. You left me a voicemail yesterday, and I didn't get a chance to call you back. I'm sorry about that. You forgive me, brother? Amen. It's best to ask for forgiveness in front of many people, right? Uh, this message tonight is intended to uh, encourage you, bless you, regarding some of the things that, uh, that you've noticed here lately, like the F disappeared from life-changing ministries and what used to be fellowship, those kind of things. Amen? How many of you have some questions about what's going on? Okay, good, then we weren't crazy. Hey, man, let's start off in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And, amen. Chapter 4. Let's start in verse 9. It says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What we are trying to do as a church is... Probably not completely unique in the kingdom, but it sure is unique in my experiences of seeing what we're trying to do. What you're seeing before you are three families that are decided that the word of God is true and that we're going to try to lead you together. A three-strand cord that we figure cannot easily be broken. Um, There is what many people are asking, and they'll sometimes just kind of explain some things. What we're going to do is explain our heart to you. We're going to explain not in a delineated fashion as if there's only past or if there's only present or if there's only future, but how these three things interact in a threefold cord that produces the quality of your life. It produces who you are and it produces your existence. So that's what we're going to try to convey tonight to you is that what you see before you is uh, our best attempt to live this scripture that says a threefold cord is not easily broken. We're going we're gonna to do this and we actually get to do it before you. We get to do it, and you see us as, as in our strengths. You see us in our weaknesses. You see us because we live around each other. We, we do life together. You're going to see us on our good days, and you're going to see us on our bad, and we figure out that that's actually the way the kingdom is built. How many of you have ever been asked, who pastors your church? That's a pretty normal question, right? And they expect a singular answer. They, they do because they're Americans, and they are used to there being an executive, a senior, a pope, a bishop, something. 
your answer will always be, I am pastored by multiple pastors here. And the reason that that will be is life-changing ministries will never be a one-person kind of ministry because the kingdom is not. That takes us to our second scripture. <clears throat> this is Hebrews 13.8. Say there when you're there. Get it. Get it. All right, somebody from the left side of the room. Any anybody there? All right. Hebrews thirteen and eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today. And forever. That's not a shocking revelation to anybody, is it? Uh, we hear all of the time that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in the first century, would you describe him more like a lamb or more like a lion? And at his second coming, would you describe him more like a lamb or more like a lion? He is the same always, and yet he is multidimensional, is he not? Okay. We want to show you that in a couple of places in the word. And one of the reasons that I say that is everybody as they mature has a past, a present, and a future. You have come from somewhere, you are somewhere right now, and you will be going somewhere. And at different stages of your life, different stages of your development, different things are emphasized. Amen? Okay, we're going to go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 4. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. When we see this, you see him who is, him who was, and him who is to come, and yet it's one Jesus, right? Anybody disagree with that? So what do we mean by him who is? Maybe him who is presently standing in the heavens. What do we mean by him who was? Maybe he who was a faithful witness, was uh, walking the earth, was a carpenter's son, all of those things. What do we mean he who is to come. Everything that he will be when he comes back, there are even in the development of Jesus, in the revelation of Jesus, you can see a past, present, and future. Amen? Well, if we are the body of Christ, should we not have a past, present, and future? Of course we should. We should have stages of growth. We should have development. Amen. Also, one of the things that, that we're, we're looking at here, uh, who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne. They, this gives us a total picture of, of who we are. Another thing that we want to take a look at is in First Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's turn there together. Of late, this has become one of my favorite passages. <laughs> I can't seem to get away from it anywhere that I go, and it seems almost a, a universal fit right now, but it's because the, it's so deep and layered with meaning. In First Thessalonians chapter 1, 
Let's start in verse 3. It says this. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. Well, obviously we see here, this is 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. So we have your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, And your endurance inspired by hope. <laughs> How many of you can look back on work in your life and the Lord said to do something and it was, it was produced completely by faith? Okay, Lord, we don't see this yet because <laughs> at some point this is where we were. This is where we started. Now we can look back and say, amen. There was actually work that was produced. <laughs> there was something good that came of that step of faith that we took, that direction that we took, the fact that we got committed to a church like Life Changing Ministries. There was work, but truthfully, at the time, all that was there to lead us into it was a step of faith. There was no proof that was there. And our labor that has been prompted, the labor, the ongoing work that we now do, the ongoing struggle, the ongoing um, pressure that's upon us, labor, the these are our deeds. This is, this is, there's some, there's some cost to this. This hurts. It, it requires something for us to continually be doing something. It's labor, but it's prompted by love. This is what we're hoping that our, that you see in each of us work produced by faith. We can point to places in the past. Think about the things that you can do and point to the past. If you don't have the love, you're not willing to, to keep up with the labor, Right? And then we have endurance, that future part of this. We're, we've got to be inspired. We've got to be kept going and kept strong through hope um, in each other, through hope in the gospel, through hope in what God is doing. Lord, I don't see it yet, and yet I must endure so that I can, that I can see the effect of what you're doing in our lives. Amen. Matthew's going to read to us from Deuteronomy. I want to show you why we're listing these on the board and taking time to go through these before we let you in on what it is that we want to explain. I recently heard a pastor say that he had heard people complain that he used so many scriptures when he spoke. He said, you don't understand my motivation. It's so that if the sermon flops, at least you will have gotten the word of God. Look, you didn't come in here to hear what three men thought about life, thought about ourselves, thought about your life. You came in here to find out what the standards of God are how you relate to them and what you need to do to close the gap and walk in it and experience the fullness of the kingdom. Amen? So I want to encourage you, if you're not taking notes, you should be. Right? Let's listen to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 through 9. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So we were at a men's meeting some many years ago, and we were asked, based on this passage, what God had commanded us that would be written on the door frames of our houses. We began referring to this as mezuzah principles. How many of you have a mezuzah in your home? Okay, this is not because we're Jews. It's because we have been instructed by the Jewish nation. 
And God gave them commands specific to them, maybe instructive to the whole world, but they were the original recipients. And when he gave them the commands, as they walked out of their houses, they remembered them. They actually touched them. They put them in the upper one-third of the doorframe. As they came back into their houses, they did the same. When they went in and out of city gates, out of any room in a house other than a room that was considered unclean, like a bathroom. And the reason for all of this was when you leave the sanctuary that is your home and you go out and you face the world, you were put here for a purpose. You were instructed by God with what is called the mitzvahs, the the commands of God aimed at your correct life. Not just a holy life, not just a moral life, a fulfilling life, an abundant life. When you came back beat up from your travailing in the world, you would remember what you were going back home to nurture, what you were going back home to rekindle, to rewet in your spirit. Every home ought to have a mezuzah statement. Well, in the past, on the left side of the board, as we talk about this, this ministry began with a mezuzah statement that came out of the Stevens life. And that was quite simply to excite people about the kingdom of God and really about its realities. Now, when I say excite people, some would say agitate. (laughs) Others would say a catalyst. Our lives were always about beginning something. And anywhere we've gone, that has been true. I mean, people may love the Stevens or hate the Stevens, even in this body, but nobody is indifferent to the Stevens. We work very hard for that to be the case. Am I lying to you or am I telling you the truth? It was necessary in the past for God to send somebody to Sugarland, Texas to begin a ministry. Just like uh, it was necessary for one doctor to deliver a baby. But that doctor may not be uh, there to treat someone during their geriatric years. We have different needs at different times in our lives. And God used us to help birth this ministry. Does that make sense? It's almost like our faith would produce a certain kind of work. It has defined many things about our relationships here at Life Changing Ministries. Pastor, you want to cover yours? The Sutherlands, as they put this on the board, have a different mezuzah statement. So as a family, ours is to equip and empower God's people for their works of service. This is what we have been called to do. This is what not only can we declare it to go forward, we can look back at our lives and just say, it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter the profession. This is what we have been given to do. This is our assignment on this earth is to equip and empower God's people. We have no greater thought in our hearts. We have no greater purpose to our lives than to go forth and worry about you. To worry about the people that God has put in our life that all we want to do is see you equipped. All we want to do is see you empowered. All we want to do is see you flourish in whatever it is that God has called you to do. It's almost like that we have uh, our labor that we wrestle with daily has been prompted by a love for God's people. That is exactly what we, what you've, you, you've heard me on Sunday say it. You see me tear up every time I try to mention it, except, you know, I'm trying to power through so I don't get all weepy right now just thinking about it because there's nothing that, that causes joy to come to our heart more than to see you flourish. 
That's it. That's, that's, what we're, that's what we've been put on this earth to do and to do anything else. If we can accomplish everything in the world, but if we don't accomplish this, then the Sutherland family will be a failure. It's probably no mistake that when you see me, I say things like, do work, son. Get to work, right? I'm always emphasizing action. What's the first thing Pastor Wade starts every message with? I love my church. This is not something that was carefully orchestrated by men. This is something that was orchestrated by the Lord because this body has a purpose. Pastor Piro, tell us about your mezuzah statement. Absolutely. Uh, it was during the same uh, men's retreat in 2006 or so that the Lord gave me and my family the purpose of propelling others into his presence. Uh, and one major facet that you guys experienced this is in worship. But you could cut off my arms, you could cut off my legs, cut out my tongue, and my, uh, my, my heart for that much. And my body, the little bits of me still left on the ground, are going to still propel you into his presence. The imagery that we've always explained this with is, I don't know about you guys, have, you know, had some college days. But you remember those slingshots that it took three people to launch a water balloon from? Two guys stay on each end of an elastic band and one in the middle pulling it back and propelling it forward. That's what we do. And particularly, when we moved here in 2004, we attached ourselves to the vision that was birthed within the Stevens. And what we did is we took that vision and those that were called to accompany it, and we took you from where you, you are, and in this endurance inspired by hope, we propelled you forward into the end destination of where that hope was pointing to. So that hope is generated from somebody having a clear perspective of where your current present day status is going to eventually end. And much like t tonight's worship service is that you come in and there's a heaviness. It's kind of like running a marathon through mud. That it is our responsibility, all three of us. But in that moment, it is the function of who we are as the Piros to take you as you walk through those doors, your feet are stuck in mud, and I want to throw you as hard and as fast into the center of God's presence so that you can see clearly everything that you've been fighting with throughout the day. And we'll continue to do that until the day that we die. This, this is what I think of when I think of propel. <laughs> I'm airing it up. Yes. Yeah, okay. Don't get this thing going. going. Propelling. <laughs> when you're looking at these kind of things, it's easy to have a temptation to segment them, to fall into one group or another group. But the reality is that you are constantly coming into collision with what the Lord is telling you to do, what you see in the Word, what you're experiencing. It might cause a man to drive from North Houston to South Houston because he's had a revelation that the pre-tribulation rapture is a joke, a theological house of cards waiting to fall. And once you know that, then it demands something of you. That comes from getting really excited about the kingdom and its realities. But that excitement is not maturity. That's just a place to start. Somebody's going to have to equip you and empower you. Somebody's going to have to help keep you pointed and propelled into God's presence or you just end up a biblical encyclopedia that benefits nobody. These things work together like a three-fold cord. Amen? Amen. Uh, that probably takes us to Ephesians 4. 
One of us writes well on the board and the other two (laughs) sit well on stools. (laughs) It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This has to begin with preparing uh, people for works of service. Now, in some of these, you're going to see some overlap. You say, wait a minute, isn't isn't that what Pastor Wade's Uh, calling is yes it's a part of all of our calling but at present this is the role that he stands in it couldn't have happened though if you did not have an initial inclination collision with somebody about the realities of the kingdom you would never stay on course if you did not continually go back to the presence of god to make sure that you weren't just learning you were learning in the right spirit make sure that you weren't just walking but you were walking in the right direction so preparing people for God's works of service moves into something that says to be built up in unity. You know, in the early days in the garage, we were certainly preparing people for works of service, but there was nobody to be unified with. We were probably most characterized by our distinctives, not our unity. You know, uh, some of the first members of life-changing ministries had such illustrious occupations as drug dealer, um, or full-time hypochondriac, or but none of them stayed there. <laughs> Their lives began to change. We're in a place now where people can see a diversity of folks in here on any given day, and they are being built up and in a place of unity. Can you all say amen to that? Amen. Can I get a better amen than that? Amen. Amen. Uh, you, we're not going to change the title out there to Unitarian. We need a better amen than that. Well, and just speaking about unity, we're not, we're not going for uniformity. We're not going for something where we all look the same, where we're all saying, rather, we embrace the uniqueness that we have. We're not, we're not trying to get to uniformity. We're not trying to get to unanimity. What we're trying to get to is unity. And that, those are very, they all sound like the same word, but they're not. This one is the biblical word that says we're going to appreciate the body as a whole. We're going to actually enjoy the fact that there are differences. And one of the things I love, you just look at this stage and you're going to see as different men, as different families as you can. And yet what we're trying to portray to you, and we're not even trying to exalt ourselves. What we're trying to say is this is what, these are what, what pastors do. We're saying that we're learning to walk in unity. We're walking in unity. Amen. We easily submit to one another. Um, on the way here uh, earlier this afternoon, my kids asked me, hey, who's preaching tonight? Are you preaching, Dad? Hey, man, I'm glad they're excited that, that Dad may be preaching. And my answer was, not sure. And one of, one of the kids was like, ah, I love that about y'all. Nobody's trying to fight to get in the pulpit. We're not trying to see how many likes. We're not comparing how many likes we get on Facebook. How many times the sermon index was played. Does, did, did Pastor Eric beat Pastor Wade? I, I rejoice. Uh, actually, we don't even look. I, we ha- I actually have no idea. But even if we would, I go, hey, man, 
What a great, did you guys hear his sermon the other day? It was great. You need to listen to it. This is what unity does. I don't need to, we don't need to push each other down. We're actually trying to do our best to lift each other up and say, hey, have you talked to Pastor Matt and Cassidy about that? Man, they would be a great one to go talk to about that. Hey, have you guys visited with Eric and Jen? Because you would, they would so bless your soul if you got to hang out with them for one evening. That's what we're all doing for each other. It's unity. Amen. Amen. On that note, there's not a sermon that has been delivered in the last year that all three of us did not put together. I mean, uh, the reasoning for that is we're all responsible for what is happening in the congregation. So no one of us has been the mouthpiece. No one of us has been the architect behind the scenes. What we're all three doing is working to hear from the Holy Spirit together. And in having each other, we, we can come to a place where we can say, yes, this seems good to the Holy Spirit. Right. Amen? One of the things that comes to mind when I hear the word unity, particularly with Wade and the, the Sutherlands, is the, the Hebrew word that we study, ichad. It's the plural unity. And really, the scripture we read earlier from Deuteronomy, ahead of verse 6, it starts out with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was the opening anthem that was part of the Declaration of Independence for the nation of Israel. And the part that really impacts me is the same living God who called Israel to walk and exist within unity and function as kings, priests, and prophets, three different sections, has also called the leadership of this church in our families to walk within that same unity. And so it's not really necessary coming into agreements with one of the three's ideas. Instead, we are all three walking into the unity that God already exists in. That takes us to the latter part of the verse is the goal is to become mature. So I want to tell you what a mature view of the pastors at Life Changing Ministries, a mature view of the way that this works in the kingdom. Uh, And I'm going to do it in an awkward way. I'm going to show you an immature one first. That way you have something to contrast it with. Well, I just love Jesus the baby. You know, 8 pound, 11 ounce, golden diaper, baby Jesus. I just prefer Jesus as a baby. I think Misty Edwards sang a song, He's Not a Baby in a Manger Anymore. I don't know that I particularly cared for the song, but I like the sentiment. Listen, you cannot decide, not in any mature fashion, that you simply prefer one stage of development. Because that in in and of itself is developmentally delayed. You can't decide, you know, I love Jesus the lamb, but the whole Jesus the lion thing, uh, I'm not, not so down with that. Because there is one Jesus. We're simply talking about facets of Jesus. For a large part, the church has decided that they love blessings and they don't want anything that's difficult. It is a cowardice Christianity, uh, a kind of ecclesiastical pimping that is going on. They want your money and they want to use you but they do not want to prepare you or be in covenant with you. In fact, they're just confident that they're going to escape to their mansions, their Rolls Royces, or something that looks like Disneyland in the sky. Our goal is to prepare people for works of service, to build them into a place of unity so that they become mature. You can't do that until you become excited about the kingdom and its realities till you're equipped and empowered as God's people and constantly propelled in his presence. This will leave you with a faith that produces work, 
with labor that is prompted by love and hope that has been inspired by endurance. You are becoming like your king who is now but was and is to come. This is the development of the body of Christ. Amen? And there is no other way to be developed than this. It might look different with different men. It might look different in different types of ministries. But if you're actually going to be developed, if you're actually going to be prepared, built up, and become mature, you have to be engaged in a process like this. If we just smile at each other and if we just love without the labor, you're, you're, you're missing out. If we just love without the faith that, was, that produced our work, if we just love without the endurance inspired by hope, you don't become mature. When you don't, this is, this is why you see us, we love you enough that we're going to talk to you about things that are uncomfortable. It is a sign of love. It's actually a sign of disdain if we're not willing to do it. It's a sign of selfishness and immaturity on our part if we can't talk to you about the difficult things. Uh, this, this is what this church is being founded on. Whether you feel like you've been called to ministry or you feel just like you've been called here makes no difference to us because the goal is still maturity. Whatever your mezuzah statement looks like, Amen. That's what we want. We need, there are some of you here who need to be pillars in this house. Yes. And you're going to be in this house, and we're not going to send you off on the mission field, and we're not going to send you off to your own work. You're going to stay here, and you're going to help us to do this. Because we need people who are here from the beginning. We need people who have been here for a while to help with, with what's going on. You're just as valuable. You're just as valuable to this group of men, to our families, as anyone, as the next missionary that we'll send out. And we are honored to do that. And that excites us. And that is, but it's because we're sending out mature people. That's what we're looking for. Whatever your role here, this is the goal. So that's what our obligation to you is. Can anybody quote Proverbs 12, 1 from memory? Isn't that a beautiful sentence? <laughs> Remember, you said it. I didn't say it. There is no place that we ever get to in the body, ever, not in any level of leadership, where we don't receive correction. The three of us are accountable to each other and we're accountable to the three elders and the three elders are accountable to each other and accountable to us. Trust me, we correct each other all of the time. Our meetings often look a bit like a battle royal, but they always end in a hug. Okay. And that's, that's because it's good that differences arise among us that God may show whom he favors. We've learned quickly. He favors the women in our church. Now that was a joke. <laughs> He obviously, he obviously favors beards, you know. Are y'all all right? You don't know what to do with a message that is not a, a pep rally, do you? Yeah. We want you to understand what uh, we're about to get to because this is not a church plant anymore. Can I say that if you begin in April of 2002 and we now stand in April of 2016, we're past the church planting phase. But we are not past church planting. So as a body, uh, church plant was in our past, and yet it is an ongoing activity within this ministry, isn't it? That's why we call it life-changing ministries, is we always hope to keep planting churches, but we can only plant one congregation in this room. Does that make sense to you? So if, if we did that, that, that doesn't mean then... Uh, since the Stevens began that part of this, that we simply fade away, right? 
We'll always have a relationship here. We will always pastor here. But there is still church planting as a part of our lives. Does that make sense to you? Which leads us to where we're at presently. There's a reason we're saying life-changing ministries. Pastor Wade, you want to help us? So part of what we have been wrestling with, with for months now, uh, maybe even, I guess, around a year, truthfully, um, there was a prophecy that came forth that God gave uh, Jennifer Stevens a particular word about the Stevens household taking their hand from one plow and putting it on another. I can tell you as a pastoral staff, we heard God's word and we ran headlong into what God, what we thought God was saying. And it was just a... We butchered it. We butchered it. Yeah. It was terrible. We, God said it. Ah! Yeah, that's not at all what he wanted us to do. None of us have a tendency to leap before we look. Okay, that, my bad. <laughs> my bad. Some of you who knew about that time about a year, over a year ago, or we unsettled people in the church and we're like, wait a minute. Wait, let's just calm down. Let's just presume that God didn't mean that that had to be accomplished today, but he was giving us a much larger picture. Oh, amen. All right. This is, this is starting to feel better. So in January of this year, on January 29th of this year, we actually incorporated a new uh, legal entity. And the legal entity is actually one life changed. So, and what we did shortly thereafter, so that was January, that was the end of January. So in February, we decided to do and make sure that our name, which by the way, uh, the official name of the church, which you're going to see on logos, which you're going to see on our website that we're trying to revive and refresh. Refresh, that's the better word. Revive is not the word I meant to say. That communicates things that I did not intend to communicate. I apologize. We're going to... Resurrection. <laughs> in Jesus' name, live. Um, I, 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 the part that I love about this is we, we started a, a new legal entity. We're doing, going to do business as life-changing ministries. The fun part for me is this is exactly what the Stevens and the Piros always wanted this to be. When we planted the church, we did a corporate name search for life-changing ministries, and it was taken. And I looked for the address of the person who took it so that I could go have a talk with them. <laughs> and uh, we, that information was not available. And I didn't understand at the time that there was such a thing as a DBA. Because I am one of those terribly spiritual people that I'm like, we don't do business. What are you talking about? We are a church of the living God, right? I didn't know what a DBA was. So I simply found the name Life Changing Ministries and Fellowship. That way we would be guaranteed to never fit it on a sign. And uh, what the Lord told me originally was Life Changing Ministries. And he told me that because there would be ministries that would raised up from our midst, that it had to be plural. The end fellowship was because I didn't know how to get the name God told me, right? We now have it. And there's a connection to the past in the sense that the corporation is called One Life Changed, which is uh, the very first thing that all this began with, and we'll come back to that. It also shores up the actual, our website is onelifechange.com. So there was some intentionality that we were hoping, Lord, would you allow it to do us 
Would you allow us to do it this way where we can kind of wrap up all things nice and, and neat? And God just blessed us at every turn. It made, made it as easy and as smooth as possible. Um, while I'm talking about this, so let me be very practical, pragmatic for a second. Uh, for those of you who use Chase, Chase Quick Pay, is that what it's called? Um, we have set up an email address that you can give to through Chase Quick Pay. It's giving at onelifechange.com. Giving at onelifechange.com. Pretty easy, right? If you want to give to the church, if other people want to give to the church, giving at onelifechange.com. So we'd love, you guys are welcome to start using that immediately. Uh, if you haven't normally done that and you want to set that up, we can help you. We can explain that. Um, if you already have it set up, if you will go ahead and change it to giving at onelifechange.com. We'd appreciate it. All right, it's the preacher in me. I can't help it. Y'all say it with me. Giving at onelifechange.com. All right. So if you continue to send it to the other account, it's not that we don't appreciate it. It's that we won't be able to use it. So um, giving at onelifechange.com. And some of you may know that there was some, uh, there were some legal things that have gone on. And we're doing all of this to show you that we feel like this is God's direction for our church. We are not running away from any legal issue ever. Do we look like the kind of people that back down from a fight to you? <laughs> we will win. Amen. This has nothing to do with that. This has everything to do with God's original vision. It just happens to be coinciding with other battles. And as we were doing this, I want to, speaking of coinciding, I want to point out just a few things. So, um, we did this as a step of faith. We just said, Lord, we're not quite sure, but you know what? We're going we're gonna to step forward because we feel that this is your direction. We feel that this is where you are leading us. And even if this proves to be uh, terrible in a lot of ways, we feel like you're telling us to do this. So we're going to go forward. If it ends up costing us everything, we're going to go forward because this is exactly what, you're, what we feel like you're instructing us to do. Right before we left for our trip to Africa, we realized that a five-year lease that we had signed here on this property was due. We went, oh, what's going on there? Maybe the Lord is allowing us to have a new entity take over the exact same location. Hmm. These are kind of behind the scenes, right? We're, most of us are family here. Most of us uh, have been here. And so we're just like pulling back the curtain just a little bit. These are all things that have been going on for the past several months. Several months that we have gone, oh, Lord, look. You caused a lease to come due at this time for such a time as this. You caused our insurance to come due right now. You caused the electric company, who we're get, our electric provider, is coming due right now. So it's a bunch of things that the Lord is saying, yes, and you will be able to put all of those in the new name, and we move forward. It's, it's just been um, God's, I know that for me as an administrative nerd, part of, part of who I am, I'm like, oh, it's so nice and tidy, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm, I can live with, with things being untidy because that's just life, and this is pastoring. It's not ever tidy. But when it does work out to be tidy, it's just it blesses, it blesses nerds like me to no end. Just be. Before we move to a future event, let's talk about the present for a second and those administrative things. This also allows us as a congregation to press into maturity. And what I mean by that is we're always connected to our past in the sense that it's brought us to where we are and... It's okay if we do some things differently now. Uh, taking uh, our hands off of one plow and putting them on another is something different for us. 
Uh, we're planting ministries or around the country or helping others plant those ministries. And really, this was a chance for us to transition all legal rights, all authority, as far as the government is concerned, as far as everything else is, to a, a brand new entity. Well, you know what this means? This is not about creating an expensive family gravestone. It's not about a man movement machine monument complex. This has never been about the Stevens or the P. Rose or the Sutherlands as individuals. It has always been about the body of Christ doing well for future generations. Amen. So what is happening is you're getting a chance to witness something that you might never see again. Uh, we have relinquished all control as individuals of the ministry and surrendered it to the group as a whole. Amen? Now, think about that. When you see one pastor's name on a sign and everybody that needs to be at the top of some kind of food chain, we are a round table that Jesus is the head of. And that's because we see in the scripture that they brought decisions to the apostles, plural. We see that they were sent out in pairs of two. We see that Paul met with the pillars, plural, uh, when he had a concern about a revelation. We believe that God invests his authority in leaders, plural, not popes as in a singular Man, I should have said Pope. But where that takes us in the future is life-changing ministries is a part of the one association. When you think of the one association, we're talking about Zeke Lamb at Submission Ministries. We're talking about Michael Hutchinson, Nick Slaughter, Gabriel Mays, all at the Arising Church. We're talking about Eric Treister at New Life in Victoria, Justin Johnson at the King's Harvest Fellowship 2015 in Baton Rouge. All of us have helped each other start churches, acquire property. Uh, we help each other with everything from doctrine to this week, uh, we were given an automobile from another church. You know how exciting that is? I've given away quite a few automobiles in my life. This is the first time one church gave another church an automobile in my whole life. Other than that 1972 bus we had to go pick up that time. <laughs> parked it at somebody's house and became a den for cats. But <laughs> look at the way the future connects to the past here for just a second. While life-changing ministries itself is not a church plant anymore, it has become something. It's become life-changing ministries. It is a part of the one association, and we are still involved in church planting. See, there's, there's a kind of uh, reciprocal nature to this. Now we're going to help other congregations do exactly what we've done and learn to form teams of leadership, learn to have an outward sacrificial faith that uh, holds nothing in reserve. Amen? Another way to say it is it's not all about us, and it never will be. We are not the objects of our own faith. We were saved to do work. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, I can't just I just can't express to you guys how precious this is. Um, I, I've been fortunate to be part of different groups before and you, you catch some groups and you're it's in their golden era. 
and you get to see great things, and you're like, wow, this is great. I've been part of other groups that were somewhere else beside their golden era. To be a part of this church that has both a golden era, we can look back and see mighty things that God has done, and yet somehow the gold is not being tarnished in the present, and it gives me hope that that will stay untarnished through its entire existence. This, this is a special, special place. What you're seeing, and, and, and again, you see us doing it well at times and see us doing it poorly at times, but the truth is, is what you're seeing, I've never seen anywhere else in any other capacity, and the Lord is allowing us to be successful at it. The Lord's grace and his favor is upon it, and your lives are a testament to that. Our lives are a testament to that. We've, we've literally laid our entire future. We've laid our entire hope. We've laid everything that we have and everything that we are on this that you see on the board. There is no plan B. There's no back door. There's no other way for us to accomplish this. We're saying, Lord, we think this is really you. Oh, Lord, please let this be you. But we feel like it is, and he's confirmed it enough times. I don't want to be overly silly as if we're unsure about it. We're sure of what he's told us, and we're going to go in that direction, and we're seeing fruit. (laughs) The idea of what has been planted, the idea of what God is doing in your life, the idea that this can branch out to not only other churches in the United States, but as the Stevens go for a month in Romania, as some of you are going to be planted as churches in in other countries. I, I am, I'm, I'm getting more and more convinced, and I, I understand that we use the word missionary, but you're either part of the fivefold ministry or you're not. You're either pastoring a church somewhere else, or you're being an apostle and planning other works, or it's still the fivefold ministry. I know we'd like to add a sixth category for missions, and it makes it easy because you're saying, hey, you're going to pastor in some other place besides where you were originally born. But this one association, what God is doing here, is something that is uh, incredibly precious. Consider what we see going on around us because it's kind of exciting. Um, in the next few months, we will have a presence in Romania. Part of this body will be in Romania. Part of this body will be traveling to the One Association churches to support their work in Indonesia. Part of this body will be present in India. Uh, and that's, that's, I mean, look around you. Do you see multimillionaires? This just is what happens when people get the fullness of the gospel working inside of them. In the years to, and I, in Peru, Peru is in May. The, Bra, the Brasso family is going to be in Peru. Uh, through these next few years, what we're going to see is that we will replicate this kind of church in all the uniqueness of the soil that it's produced in somewhere else. This seed will produce different flavors and other soils, but it's going to go on all over the world. So when you become a part of life-changing ministries that is a part of the one association, you're really stretching around the world with the gospel. I mean, consider that this year we've already been in South Africa, Mozambique, Kenya, uh, Kenya, Mexico, and the list just keeps going. And that's, that's a light year. Uh, in 2011, we were in 22 countries that year. Uh, the reason that we say all of that is there are some characteristics that will follow this body. They'll follow your life and every real body forever. They also come from First Thessalonians. Perhaps we should put First Thessalonians 
one, is it five through six on the board? Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power. Say power. power. With the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. No, say Holy Spirit like you have the Holy Spirit. And with deep conviction. This ministry was planted with power. Its present is defined by the ministry of the Holy Spirit working among us. And its future is secure because of the deep convictions that are laid down here. This is reflected in the pastor's mezuzah statements. There is an excitement about the kingdom and its realities because we've tasted of its power. There is an equipping and an empowering of God's people because the Holy Spirit is at work in the leadership here. And there is a continual propelling in the presence of God because of the deep convictions that we have to never sell the kingdom short but arrive at the throne. Can you say amen to that? And, and to add to that, you're not mature until you can display some deep convictions that the Lord has shown you. I mean, it, it, anywhere you... Uh, your deep convictions will allow you to have endurance that is inspired by hope. I mean, th these things kind of work in a lot of different ways. When I look out and I just find people from the front row, I'm just going to pick out Nolan for a second. won't tell you the story again of how I met Nolan. But the, the young man that sits there now is not the boy that I once knew. And in just a few short months from now, he will be something else entirely, a husband. All of us have a past, a present, and a future. When I look back there and I see the Carters or the Adarmes, as I work around the room, all of us are somewhere in this cycle as we mature, and none of us finish until we reach Christ. Yeah. Amen? But we are going to do this together, and we're going to do it with power of the Holy Spirit and deep convictions. When you look at the book of Revelation... You see the Lord of history presenting uh, the truth of what we're saying. And he does it so many times that you can scarcely turn a verse or two without seeing it. But we'd like to show you just a couple because we don't want to stop short of seven special revelations tonight. Revelation 1, 5 through 6. So we were in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 6. Now we're in Revelation 1, 5 through 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the rulers of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. In the past, Jesus was called a faithful witness. He faithfully carried out everything that his father uh, said, everything he saw his father doing. But as we stand here today, he is called the firstborn from among the dead. He is the only human being to have experienced the glorified body and he is standing in the presence of God. When he comes in the future, he will be revealed as the ruler of the kings of the earth. How many of you remember in Monday night's foundation study that God took Moses through the exact same developmental process that Moses would take Israel through. When he named his children, 
The very first one he named uh, in his own tongue meant, I am an alien in a foreign land. The second child's name meant, God is my help. The first one was Gershom. The second one was Eleazar. And then he said, I was delivered from Pharaoh's sword. Moses himself went from being an alien to someone that God was helping to someone that God had saved. And then he took Israel from an alien status within Egypt to someone God was helping to someone that God had saved and a nation was born. Well, what Jesus has done as a faithful witness, now the firstborn from among the dead and will be revealed as the ruler of the kings of the earth, is he's done that exactly for us. Because he has freed us, he loves us now, and he has made us to be a kingdom of priests in the future. Can you hear that? This is what God is doing with a threefold cord here. Through power that's been revealed, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and deep convictions, he is doing things like using one family to help free uh, and be a faithful witness. Another family to display ongoing resurrection power as we're equipping the saints of God. And a third family to show us how to rule by His presence as a kingdom of priests. And all three families are working together all of the time. We have a past, we have a present, and we definitely have a future together. Tonight we wanted to take communion together. And by the way, there weren't seven scriptures. There were seven scriptures on the board, but eight revelations. You just get to find them, okay? They are put kind of in order. We wanted to take communion together as a family because there is nothing in all of the world that quite connects the past to the present to the future like communion. If you're in the room tonight, you're invited to take communion with us. Our king achieved things for us in the past that are benefiting us right now and they determine our future. The first time we recognized this, we came into a collision with the realities of the kingdom. And then we began to be equipped by God's love, a labor of love. And it is a hope that inspires us to be propelled into his presence again and again. And we will relive that with every communion. Tonight in the room, we have families from Gadsden, Alabama that have gone out from us and are, with all of the heart, attempting to affect that area. Tonight in this room, we have people that have come to us from every area of the globe, as far away as Egypt, and God is doing something here that will affect the whole world. But it begins with one life that affects one family and then takes on one nation. The gospel will always be outward focus. This began somewhere. It began with one life. We are in a stage when the families, 46 families, 46 families right now are being pastored to mature into all that they need to be. And as you are propelled into God's presence, you will be propelled into the nations. That is the plan. It's, it's also just worth noting before we do communion that all three of us have been present at every major step in life-changing ministries. But in the beginning, I was the, the only one here. And then Matthew joined us full-time. But Wade kept showing up at every key moment. 
Now these roles are are moving around and the Lord has the right to do that. Wade will be here all of the time. Matthew will be here most of the time. And I will be here at every key moment that the Lord intends for us to be. This is for your benefit. He loves you enough to give you three pastors. How many churches this size have three pastors? Three pastors is involved with your... We're we're enough involved in your life that I can name your children, name the sin that you struggle with, and name the way that you overcome it and why I'm proud of you. We're close enough to you to make people uncomfortable enough who don't want the truth to go hide in some lukewarm sham of a circus church. But that's okay because the clear call of the gospel will invite some to get clean and others to stay dirty. We are after those who want this kind of development because it's what the king deserves. So part of this, too, is we know who is actually bought in and those who are staying on the fringe because usually on the fringe of this church, they try to separate us into into different things. Just like a child will do with a parent, they try to play one against another. Well, Pastor Wade is the only one that... Pastor Matt is really the one that um, we know immediately when we hear that, we don't go, well, dang it, Matt, what, what are you doing? What we know is that person is not core yet, that that'll have to be addressed. There's never a time where you're going to hear me defame one of my brothers. So you'll never get closer to one of us by downing the other two. That'll never happen. And just so that you know what, what we think would be best for you to assume is that if you hear a difference between us, you heard wrong. Right? So just assume your ears weren't working correctly. Because every person on this stage has sold a house and and used the proceeds of the sale of the house, every one of us, to be in ministry with each other. Every one of us was walked away from a job that pays a lot better than this one <laughs> to be a part of this. Every one of us have invested blood, sweat, and tears to do ministry together. Do you know why? Because we need each other. We need each other. And I'm just going to step out on a limb here and say, you need all three of us. Right? One of us is good looking. The other is smart. And one is ugly. And you need all three. (laughs) You can choose which one. We fit that three model. One of the things to add to that is... uh, in no way is there uh, elite privacy of information within just one of the pastors or one of the pastor's wives. What I mean is I'm going to go and I'm going to share this one you know, secret of a struggle that I have, a thought I have, or a situation I'm going through, and I want to just remain with Pastor Eric because I think he really sympathizes, understands, and can pastor me through a situation. And the other two don't. You need all three of us. And that goes for our wives as well. Uh, They are an extension of who we are. And they're probably much, much better at walking by a conversation that you're having with somebody else, hearing all of it, and being able to completely regurgitate it back to us. So in that same light as your your mother or father would say, you know, um, if you're speaking to so-and-so that's watching you as a child, just imagine that your dad is standing right next to them. Well, when you're speaking with Pastor Wade, imagine that 
Eric is standing right next to him, and so am I. And same thing goes with our, our wives as well, that the authority of God rests within all three of us, not just solely within one of us. As we get ready to take communion, one last beautiful thing about all of that is laying every negative possibility aside. It also means that there, the working of God in your life is not limited to any one person's uh, shortcomings. Uh, and God knows that we have them. Uh, it, we, we're relying on his power working in spite of our weakness. But I'll stand by the fruit that we've produced. I, I, I have no problem standing with confidence on what I've already seen God do, what I see God doing right now, and what I know he will do to glorify his name through this ministry and the people in the room. There is no meal on earth that connects the past, present, and future quite like communion. And my brothers are going to lead us through communion together. Amen. Worship team, if you guys will go ahead and get set. I hope what you hear tonight, it may be unique. I know this is a very different evening for us. But what we want to make sure is that that everyone feels very secure in what God is doing in your leadership. We have nothing to hide. Yes, we've been working on some things since January. Yes, we've been working on other things. And the truth is, is we've been, we are now excited to share it with you. We're going to wait to the appointed time and what God is doing in us so that things are fully mature and we can present it to you. This should bring encouragement to you. Exactly. Yeah. So if, in case you didn't hear him, Pastor Eric said, in, in case you're worried that things will change drastically, we actually did this in January. So the changes that are here are already here, except for your giving at giving, at, right? <laughs> because there's something special that's going on in this church. What the enemy will love to do is try to pick us off, to segment us off, to try to make one, it appears that one pastor is, no, no, no. This is us working to build up and become built up in unity so that we can become mature because we're preparing people for God's works of service. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let your fears begin to overwhelm you of what in your place in this body or of what you don't have. You're vital to us. And I'm going to hand the mic to Elder Charlie. Anytime an elder wants the mic, they get it. <laughs> this, tonight, it's a fulfillment of a word. And I used to say that God gave it to me, but God gave it through me Amen. 23 years ago. And those of you that, that know me have heard this about a vision that God gave me and that <clears throat> I wrote this down years ago and I'll just give the highlight of it but it it was it was in a time when I was praying and seeking God and God told me to write these things down as I saw them and I saw an arm that a mighty arm that came out of nowhere and in its hand it held a sword and it held the sword high and the arm never seemed to tire. 
I saw this, this arm, this mighty arm was not just one, but it was made up of many members. And the members of that arm was molded and fit together without any space between them. They moved in unity. They moved together. They fit together. And they was molded to fit the, the, the sword. <clears throat> and as the arm began to move, holding the sword high, I could see behind the arm, and a fire was lit. And as the arm moved, the more and more the fire burned until there was no more area for the fire to burn. And the arm met the needs of the church and the community. And as the arm began to grow, the arm reached out across the lands. It reached out across the water to other lands. And the same fire was lit and beginning to burn. And God told me that that arm is the hand of God that we're all part of. You know, and he, he, he went so far as to tell me, and it made a great point. It always stuck in my mind. I couldn't figure out exactly what it meant. But he said that the, the sword that he held up high had sparkled in the sunlight because it had been freshly honed. I've been serving God for 42 years, and I've never seen a church that honed the word of God more than this one. So this has been fulfilled and this is a knitting together without space to make a church to present to God without blemish. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight?